I've always loved about the voice is that everyone has one. Even if, you know, you might be tone deaf, you still have a voice, you can still make sounds. But when, when writing for children's voices, they need to be able to get their, their, their chops around it and, and for it to be something that they can pick up easily and enjoy. This is a podcast for Britain Peers Arts. My name's Lucy Walker. It's November 2023, and at Britain Peers Arts later this month, there is a 10th birthday party for a remarkable project. Friday Afternoons started in 2013. Well, it actually started in 1933, but we'll get back to that. And it had a very simple initial aim to get as many young people singing as possible. So what is it and what are the Friday afternoon songs? Well, as I suggested a moment ago, we need to go back in time to November 1933, 90 years ago, and to a not quite 20 year old Benjamin Britten, whose song, Begone Dull Care, began this podcast. Around this time, he began to compose what would be a group of 12 songs for children's voices. He completed them about 18 months later, which is an uncharacteristically long gestation period for Britain, but they were composed in odd bursts of time, rather than all in one go. In November 1933, he had just left the Royal College of Music, and it was an odd time for him. He had just left college, not quite working for the General Post Office Film Unit, not quite yet with a big commission or public work under his belt, although he was already published and had had works broadcast. He was partly living back in Lowestoft with his parents and partly in London. Very soon after this period, he would meet the poet W.H. Auden, start writing film scores and much larger orchestral pieces, and move into a very different style of composition. But for the time being, he was in a kind of waiting room in between teenagerhood and adulthood. And it is certainly striking that some of the pieces he composed during this period were in some way related to childhood. Holiday Diary was a piano suite evoking the experience of a childhood seaside holiday, funfairs, sailing trips and bracing dips into the sea. For his famous Simple Symphony, he went back through his own huge collection of juvenilia, his own childhood works, to find melodies to work into a small suite for string orchestra. And alongside, he was periodically setting these songs for children's voices, taking poetry from a couple of anthologies he had at home, and which are in the Red House archive today. That was New Year Carol for Britain's Friday Afternoons. But why is it called Friday Afternoons? Quite simply, he came up with the title when visiting his brother Robert in Prestatin. Robert was headmaster at Clive House School, and the boys had singing on a Friday afternoon. The final group of 12 songs were dedicated to Robert Britton and the boys of Clive House. Friday Afternoons is the first substantial piece Britton wrote for children's voices, though many would follow. There are two operas, The Little Sweep and Noah's Flood, which predominantly feature children. There are children's roles in his oratorio, St. Nicholas. Mr. Brevis is a mass for treble voices. And there's what's called a vaudeville, the golden vanity, for children's voices and piano, alongside a pretty bleak piece called The Children's Crusade. And there are children's roles in several of his operas, notably The Turn of the Screw. 
Diana McVeigh wrote in the late 1960s that Britain's music for children was unique because it was both serious and debonair. That is, Britain took the children's voices seriously, but the songs are also confident and with great charm. Reviewing a recording of Friday Afternoons, Diana McVeigh comments on how much the children are clearly enjoying themselves. And Britain would have been thrilled, one of his principal aims as a composer, and something that is often remarked about him, is to have written music that is for everyone, and that the music should be useful, to have a purpose, to serve the community, to serve a particular occasion, and to make the most out of a performer's abilities. Erilyn Wallen, who wrote a group of songs for the Friday Afternoons Project in 2018, talks here about how she was influenced by Britain, especially around this aspect of usefulness. All the composers who have gone on to, to set anthologies for young children to sing, I feel as if we're all in the shadow of Britain somehow. And writing my own collection of songs has made me think a lot about what Britain thought was so important, which is that music should be for everybody, it should be useful, it should always serve a purpose um, and it should involve the whole community and all age groups and so the fact that his Friday Afternoons was written specifically for, you know, as part of the school curriculum, it, it was quite humbling when I came to think about what I would do with mine. Carolyn Wallen there with a clip from Rice and Beans and Plantains too. But even Britain could not have imagined quite how useful Friday afternoons would be. So let's take a trip now to his centenary year, which was when the Friday Afternoons project was born. The original project was effectively to create a day of singing on Britain's 100th birthday, 22nd November 2013, which as it happens, fell on a Friday. The songs were made available online with piano accompaniments and rehearsal tracks recorded. And on the day itself, some 70,000 children from all over the UK and all over the world joined in an international sing-along of Britain's songs from as far afield as Australia, Thailand and Canada. In the years which followed, Snape Maltings, as was now Britain Peers Arts, commissioned contemporary composers to follow in Britain's footsteps and write new songs which would then be made available online. That aim has remained consistent over the last 10 years. In the last year, there were nearly 50,000 downloads of the songs, which might have reached anywhere between, let's say, 10 to 30 children, averaging 20, so that would be a million children singing just this year. Over 10 years, it must be millions more. And there have been 29 different commissioned composers, these composers have included Jonathan Dove, Nico Mooley, Sally Beamish, Erilyn Wallen, Russell Hepplewhite, and many others. And they've had some extraordinary words to set as well. Here's Russell Hepplewhite in 2020 talking about working with Michael Rosen for his group, followed by a clip from his song, Cells. The Friday afternoon songs, I mean, I should say at this stage, um, just how incredibly thrilled I was to be able to work with Michael Rosen. Um, on, on on these songs, um, as as ever with, with Michael, you know the words are incredibly witty. Mm. Um, they're quite simple, actually, in in all the right ways and all the best ways. And 
incredibly settable, so unbelievably easy to set, you know. And I suppose that was the only thing that I felt working with Michael. Um, I felt that I needed to do justice to his army of young fans out there mm. um, because, you know, you, I road tested some of these songs in, in a few primary schools as I, was, as I was writing them and you mention Michael's name and all the kids know who he is and they can all mention <laughs> at least one or two of his books and that, it, it struck me just how big a responsibility that was to carry. This year's group comprises Alice Sawadzki, Alexander Kampkin, Ayanna Witter-Johnson, Ben Parry, Charlotte Harding, C.N. Lester, Kerry Andrew, Roderick Williams, Shruti Rajasekhar and Yolanda Brown. Today we're going to hear from Roderick Williams and Kerry Andrew, both of them singers as well as composers and who both talk about how their projects came about, the texts they set and how they approach writing for children's voices. First, we'll hear from Roderick, who zoomed in for a conversation while he was staying in Arnhem in the Netherlands. His song is called Mosaic and sets a beautiful text by young poet Lily Whitelock. I began by asking him how he became involved in the Friday Afternoons project. I've had a, quite a lengthy relationship with uh, the Albra Festival anyway, and they know of me as a singer first and foremost, but they, they also have come across my composing and uh, arranging exploits, I would say. Uh, so I must have just been in their consciousness and when they were looking around for uh, a number of composers to do this, they they asked me. They gave me a free reign of texts. They had several texts by s s such young poets. And so we would all have um, had uh, these a series of texts to have a look at. And when I'm looking at texts, um, I'm looking for something in the same inspires me. That sounds awfully grand. I don't really mean that. I just Sometimes when you read a poem, you can sort of hear a a melody in the ether somehow, you can hear how it might go. And some poems, when I look at them, they're the wrong structure for me. You know, they're, they're too long or they're too short or they're too this or that. Um, and some just say, oh, no, I think I could work with that. I think there's a, a melody might suggest itself with that. And that's very much the case with this poem. This one actually leapt out to me as one that would, would uh, lend itself quite easily to something that was fairly simple. So it needs to be challenging, but not too challenging. Mosaic by Roderick Williams with words by Lily Whitelock. It's what I liked about your your song is that it's in unison and it's got a kind of refrain element to it and this sort of lovely kind of almost chiming um, piano part uh, underneath it. But it's got some tricksy rhythms in there that you, that the performers can get their teeth into a bit more, doesn't it? So yeah, I, I love yeah. tricksy rhythms. I, I, yeah. I think they're a great thing because the thing about a tricksy rhythm is if you look at it on the page, you see a tricksy rhythm. And if someone teaches it to you without looking at it on the page, then you just, you see what you see about it. You can sometimes sing the most complicated patterns um, if they're taught to you orally. 
So, and I know this is true because if you see, if you see children singing pop songs just around the house or you know just around their business, they often sing incredibly difficult patterns. But if I were to show them notated, particularly with syncopation, to show them notated would look like a, a dog's breakfast. But they pick it up because they hear it and they hear it often, and it goes into a place, and then they can do it with great ease. I, I like Friday afternoons as, a, as an idea. From the the pupils' point of view, I'm intrigued to see how the, uh, the how the teachers get on with it. They may have their hands full, which I can only apologise. <laughs> yes, I mean I do notice on their website that they have a little difficulty rating. Yes, for each song, and yours I think is four. I, I, I was intrigued by that difficulty rating too, not because I was then thinking, oh, I thought mine was more of a three or a two, not because of that, but because I. I totally understand from having been a music teacher myself in you know decades ago. I totally understand the, the parameters that go into making a tune easy or difficult. And for example, the range of it. My uh, uh, melody has a fairly wide range, and it goes fairly high. So when you're singing in unison with children's voices, the top notes is always going to be a bit of an issue. What it is because some children just simply can't get there. And you get that lovely sort of um, cloud effect <laughs> the higher you go. But I would point out that some of our uh, most beloved tunes and the other one, I, the one I always think about is Happy Birthday. Uh, the Happy Birthday tune that we all know and sing has a range of an octave. And it's fascinating. It divides those people who can sing the tune in some sort of key and keeps that key and manage the octave leap that comes in the, in the third line. And they can they can do that, and and then everybody else who crushes the entire melody into the range of a about a third or a fourth, and so part of my piece was uh, was uh, with that in mind was just making sure I could stretch the class, stretch or whoever it is who sings this, to make sure that that not make sure, but just to just to encourage them to expand their range and and just sing the top note and the bottom note. Roderick Williams there and his song Mosaic. I also talked to composer Kerry Andrew, who wrote a song for this year's project called Individuality. The song's words were created for and with schoolchildren from Filey in North Yorkshire, but also, as we'll hear, with the potential to be created by and for other singers. I talked to Kerry about this creative process and about how individuality is at the root of this song in particular. identity which suits me down to the ground in terms of writing for young people um i was also asked or maybe we discussed it uh, between me and britain peers to write a song for a slightly older the slightly older set so year seven and so that took me in a slightly different direction in terms of thinking about the type of song and the words um it's the it, it's a really interesting age, that sort of transitional age when you're first, you know, starting big school um, and you're sort of at the bottom of the pile again, but still feeling 
markedly older, I should imagine, than than being in year six at the top of primary school. And so what I did is a process that I do a lot when writing for young people or for non-professional musicians, which is I really like writing my own words or adapting other people's words and usually not just one participant's words but a whole collection so what I did was well Britain Piers had a contact with Filey School in North Yorkshire which is really nice because it's quite close to where my mum lives actually it's not I'm not from there but it's just sort of nice little link because I know Filey quite well um and I sent them a, a couple of worksheets basically um and called it who I am which is not what the song was eventually called um and gave them the opportunity to write me some words and because I like to gather in different participants words I never want them to write perfect little poems for me because I'm going to pull them apart and use different phrases from different um participants so I just asked them to write me some lines and it could be could feel like poetry or lyrics or prose uh, that started with the letters W-H-O-I-A-M, who I am, um, just to give them a little bit of framework. And then I also gave them some questions just to kind of focus them in a bit. Um, so I had things like, if you met an alien from another planet who understood your language, what would you tell them about yourself as an introduction? or what's important to you, or what are you most proud of about yourself, or what are your favourite things to do, which is probably an easier question. <laughs> so um, some, you know, some of their favourite things were monkeys and dogs and Pokemon, um, but also some of their questions were very deep and, and quite melancholy, really, in terms of I don't know who I am and my brain is quite strange. And I, I'm not suggesting that means that, you know, they have any mental health issues. I just think it's it's quite a strange age to be in, both their 11 and 12 year old age, but also the age that we're in in the world. Um, so it was quite an interesting mixture of quite colourful and fun and childlike in terms of their responses. And then some quite deep, yeah, almost almost a little bit troubled and quite sad sort of questions about who I am. And so I tried to bring those two worlds together in my song. <laughs> That's really that's really interesting because actually the character of the music is quite is quite I would say it's quite melancholy how you've written yeah and I I never have a preconception of what kind of music I'm going to write before I know what my text is whether I'm choosing a text myself or writing it or doing what I've done in this project gathering other people's texts and and sort of collating and making my own lyric out of lots of different participants' phrases but. It's just what came out, as I said, the sort of the sort of overarching flavour of of the answers and the words that I got back seemed to have that sort of slightly melancholy feel. The question, the line towards the end is that life is strange and hard or can be strange and hard, but it can also be very easy. And it can then they just sort of, as you say, at that age, becoming aware of that, that actually there's big choices to be made. It's, it's not just you and your your little bubble that you've lived in it's yes yeah. absolutely oh I'm sure you're right and also sort of you saying bubble makes me immediately think of the pandemic and the fact that they've sort of come out of the pandemic and they would have had a year or two before that really but then into secondary school and and it being sort of quite a big emerging from the chrysalis right um yeah and that's something I got yeah I, I definitely felt like there was a sense of who who am I what 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 are these strange thoughts I have both both personally and individually 
but also yeah a real sense of worrying about the world in 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 a quite not a very specific way certainly some environmental and climate crisis concerns were in there um but just sort of generally a bit sort of worried about the world but maybe not specifically because they haven't got that far yet because they're only 11 <laughs> or 12. There's there's options for the for the performers of this song to put in their own likes and dislikes and there's the, it becomes this kind of word cloud of likes and dislikes at the end which makes it their own when whoever sings it doesn't it? Yeah and that's something that I, I often try and do again depending on the project but because it's a collaboration and you want it to feel like they have some ownership of it what I wrote was, yeah, there's these bits where it's like, I like Call of Duty, Pokemon, Sea Cadets and Frogs. And then there's a whole list. And that's very much a, a compilation of lots of, of different uh, members of this Filey School Year 7 class. This isn't one person saying I like Call of Duty and Pokemon and Sea Cadets and, and Frogs. I just put them all together, smooshed them all together because I wanted to try and give a portrait of a larger group of young people. But that's still quite specific. Maybe some of those things, I tried not to make it specific to Yorkshire. I don't think it is. But maybe some of those things are very specific. And and it's such an easy thing, yeah, for them just to leave some space. And then there's another bit later on where there are shouted questions. And that could be anything and uh, doesn't have to fit with a melody. And I really, I just really like, yeah, each class or each group of singers being able to have a little bit of individuality and ownership over this piece so it's not like they're singing about Filey School they're singing about themselves. A number of the composers I looked on the list of the, the Friday Afternoons composers this year are singer composers and I don't know if that was a deliberate choice or that whether that Britain Pierce was just sort of drawn to, to composers who write so well for the voice because they do it themselves and they know what works and they you know have an instinct for that I wonder that's interesting I suppose I can't really comment in on it on anyone else's process but for me I my way of composing now more than ever more than I used to is to sort my words out and then just sing instinctively record it all and sort of see what happens I don't really use the I did use the piano for this actually because I had a piano part um so I did have to start with that but I I just record in as soon as I can um, because that's that's how you tell whether it works or not, <laughs> whether you can sing it. So, yeah, I mean, certainly for me, I just have to sing everything. And when I'm working with uh, the, the broader range of voices, if I'm working with four parts, soprano down to bass, I just I sing in everything. I literally just sort of growl my bass parts or, or sort of sing them an octave up and play them on the piano the right octave, screech my soprano parts, because especially with the voice, um, I, I work with Sibelius in terms of my notation software and it really can't replicate the voice in any in any capacity. Um, it can give you the notes so it can show you the combination of notes along with the piano part, that's fine. But you need to sort of hear it in the voice and you need to hear how the words settle in the mouth and, and all that kind of thing. And yeah, just making sure that the words are emphasised in the right way with the right range or interval leap. So yeah, for me, everything has to be sung by me first. Because if I can't do it, why should anybody else? As well as discussing their songs for Friday afternoons, I asked both Roddy and Kerry about their views on the importance of singing in general. Their responses, as you can hear, were very passionate. 
Well, that's a great question. And, and let's settle ourselves in for a really long answer here, because off I go. Um, I, I happen to think, because I'm obviously a musician and I'm a singer, I think it's crucially important. I think it's as important as Rishi Sunak thinks that math is important. Rishi Sunak is on a drive to, to keep maths going in the national curriculum up till 18. And I thought that's a very interesting proposition. And I, as a musician, would say, well, you, you put maths to one side, put music in the, in the centre of the curriculum, not necessarily to test it, but just so that people do it all the way through, particularly through puberty when their voices change and there's all sorts of social awkwardnesses to be had there and right up until they're 16. And then, I, I mean, obviously I'd love 18, but I'm, I'm not going to push it too hard. I think it's, I think it's that important, I, particularly in as our younger generations are suffering in the most extraordinary mental health crisis at the moment. I think um, singing together um, is one of the great antidotes to those um, forces that are threatening people's mental well-being. Um, and we've known this in the past, so that communal singing in schools has always been a thing. And I'm referring back to children's assemblies. But the idea of singing together in the morning, you, it, for all sorts of different reasons, was a great bonding experience. And people got the idea of singing every day. And now, what you were referring to with uh, with Britain's work with his brother, the, the teachers, is, is about singing every Friday. And I, I'll go with that. Uh, that's great in the same way that uh, we know that doing games on a Wednesday afternoon, all afternoon, we would have games and you'd go out and, you know, uh, throw yourself around the sports pitch. And that was always known to be a good thing. What a good thing that is to get people moving. That's great. And so I think, yeah, singing and the things that go go with that, the, the breathing that goes with that, the movement that goes with that, because you could do movements with singing. So that's a very long-winded answer to, to, uh, to a terrific question. And and, and it really shows me um, what uh, what Friday afternoons means from a pedagogical, I can almost say that word, pedagogical point of view, why it's important that particularly young people, but human beings in general, should sing together. What I've always loved about the voice is that everyone has one. Even if, you know, you might be tone deaf, you still have a voice. You can still make sounds. You can still make sort of percussive sounds. But, you know, there's, there's just things that you can do with the voice and body which are very immediate. You, there's nothing in front of, I mean, sometimes instruments are great, of course. There's a thing that you get to express yourself through. But what I love about the voice and the body is it's just right there. <laughs> um, and, and that can be really hard actually for children and especially young people of this age. And I think that's why the Britain peers are quite keen to make sure that there's something for year sevens, maybe going into year eights is because as uh, what I understand, is that singing especially drops off after primary school, where there's often a bit more of a culture, uh, not necessarily in every school. It very much depends on the head and the teachers there and their ethos. But it's much harder to keep keep young people singing through that first part, year seven to nine of um, secondary school. Yeah. yeah. Roderick Williams and Kerry Andrew there vividly conveying the importance of singing in schools and just anywhere, really. The Friday Afternoons project is continuing to evolve and from next year is going to offer even more means of creative expression to school children. So my name is Sophia Allen. I am head of community at Britain Peers Arts and I was formerly the producer that looked after the Friday Afternoons project. So spent kind of 18 months managing the project and now Friday Afternoons still sits within the community programme. Um, so Friday Afternoons has 
Um, over the last 10 years, really been passionate about connecting young people and teachers with contemporary classical composers. Um, but the landscape for young people singing has really transformed over recent years. There are a lot more organisations creating resources for young voices now. And a lot of the feedback that we're getting both from our kind of local school partnerships, but also working nationally with hubs, is that a place that's really lacking in confidence for teachers is creating music with young people. And so we really want to shift our focus to empowering teachers, regardless of how confident they are in their own musical ability, to write songs with young people so that we can really hear the voices of young people and so that a choir in Scotland could sing a song that a school in Suffolk have created. And so it's young people being able to sing music written by young people as opposed to music that's been written for them. I also asked Sophia about the benefits of singing from the standpoint of an arts organisation which runs a major singing project. I mean, there's been uh, tons of kind of research papers of projects that um, are looking at how taking part in the arts and especially singing can contribute to positive well-being. And we see this really actively in schools, um, that real sense of a community being created when all young people are given the chance to come together and sing a song in assembly. Um, the kind of boost in social skills of working together to learn a song in a class that they're going to perform for their friends, for their families. It's a real tangible benefit that we can see. And we also see more and more that young people don't feel like their voice is heard today um, and that they really have a strong message, something that they want to say. And so anything that we can do to help young people express that, to give them a way to be heard is something that we're going to support. Sophia Allen there, further endorsing our composers' views about the benefits of having a sing. Just a final coda on Friday Afternoons, the original series of songs. Britain's music isn't often used in film soundtracks, although there are a few examples. But one of the most particular and creative uses of his music is in Wes Anderson's film Moonrise Kingdom, released in 2012. It's a film about two children on the brink of teenagerhood who attempt to escape together, creating their own little world in Moonrise Kingdom, which is an isolated patch of coast near their home. Wes Anderson, interviewed around the time of the film's release, spoke of how he found Britain's music to have a special and singular power. He knew Britain's music already. He'd been an otter in a school production of Noah's Flood as a child. That opera has a central part to play in the film as well. Young Person's Guide to the Orchestra frames the film, introducing the gathering of the cast as well as of the orchestra. There's a chorus of fairies from Midsummer Night's Dream later on, as well as extracts from Simple Symphony. And other music written for children makes a striking appearance. Two songs from Friday Afternoons. Old Abram Brown is used during a moonlight flit across to St Jack Wood Island, as well as accompanying a crisis point in a marriage. And Cuckoo is the soundtrack to the sweetly poignant end of the film. Wes Anderson chose music to amplify the experiences of the children in this film, who are seeking something which speaks directly to them and which they can claim for their own. Both of those elements combine in Friday Afternoons. I meet people who say, oh, I was told not to sing, or I'm tone deaf, I was told not to sing. 
And um, these people can be of any age. I find it particularly uh, moving when they're in their 60s or 70s or 80s. But I realised that at no point has someone said, oh, no, no, that was, that was when you were seven. You know, you can, things change. You can maybe learn or maybe, you know, maybe try again. I want it to be a celebration of people enjoying different things and that being okay. It's just a whole group thing, you know, so it's sort of, it's both individual, but also, also celebrating a group as a whole. That was definitely really important to me. The music you heard in this podcast includes three songs from Britain's Friday Afternoons, Begone Dull Care, New Year Carol and Cuckoo, all published by Boozy and Hawks. You also heard Erilyn Wallen's Rice and Beans and Plantain Too and Russell Hepplewhite's Cells and two songs from this year's Friday Afternoons project, Roderick Williams' Mosaic and Kerry Andrews' Individuality. I'd like to thank all Friday Afternoons composers, past and present, and Sophia Allen from Britain Peers Arts for taking part in this podcast. Mm-hmm.